Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. This week we hear from a couple of our Olympic athletes. There is plenty of pressure on the two New Zealand teams left in the Super Rugby competition and the Magic celebrate their Trans-Tasman netball title. The New Zealand road cyclist Greg Henderson will have had less than a week to recover from the Tour de France when he competes in the men's road race at the London Olympics. Henderson, who races for the Lotto Balasol team, only flew home to his young family in Spain on Monday before leaving for London early on Thursday. He and Jack Bauer are the only New Zealanders competing in the event, after two of the country's most experienced riders, Julian Dean and Hayden Rolston, missed out with just two Olympic places available. Greg Henderson spoke to Denise Garland earlier in the week and told her that the quick turnaround between events hasn't hindered his preparations. It is weird because I mean, I've just lived on a schedule for the last you know, month, you know, 8 o'clock dinner, swim and massage, and you know, all of a sudden now I'm just literally just sitting at home, I'm just watching play school with uh, my little girl. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a massive change, but it's so relaxing, it's, it's beautiful. It is a, a pretty quick turnaround racing this weekend. Do you feel that you'll be fresh enough for that race? Yeah, I, I think I'll be fine. You also look, uh, the second last day was a time trial. It was only 53 kilometres, and um, I only rode at a reasonable pace just to make the time count. You've got a whole week there where you've got time for your body to, to regenerate, recuperate. And, and the other good thing is, um, you know, it's only a one-day event. It's not uh, like I'm going in and doing another week-long race or something like that, you know, where your reserves might be low. I mean, you can stock your reserves up for a one-day race, no problem. Obviously, rest will be a, a big part of your preparation for this weekend's race. Is, is there anything else that you plan to do before that race in London? No, you, you hit it on the head there. I mean, everything's done now. Everyone's having a race to get fresh. I mean, the strength that you gain from a, a grand tour, you know, I've, I've said it many times before, is you can't replicate that in training. You can't get those gains from a grand tour. So uh, now it's just freshen up and uh, catch up on some sleep and let it all happen on Saturday. And you'll uh, meet up with Jack Bauer over there on Wednesday? Correct. And so that will be sort of when you discuss tactics and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the tactic will be for the race because I think every country is employing the same tactic. It's not rocket science or anything like that. So, um, OK, we only have two bike riders, so again, we're not going to be a dominant nation where you know we can take control of the race. But uh, you've got teams like Australia, Germany, France, Great Britain. All these countries have got five riders and, you know, they're working together for a similar goal. So, uh, in effect, it could be like a professional road race. In regards to all those nations that have five riders, who out of those are sort of the ones that you and Jack really feel like you should be up there with targeting and uh, the ones to beat? The plan is that the bike race is going to come down to a bunch sprint. Like, that's what a lot of nations are gambling on. Of course, it's not 100% that that's going to happen. It's a bike race. It's sport. Anything can happen. So if it's going to be a bunch sprint, you can't look past the lights of, you know, my teammate Andre Greipel or, or the likes of Matthew Goss or 
just basically the guys I was racing against the whole last three weeks, Peter Sagan, you know, Edvald Bosenhagen, Mark Cavendish. It's, that's if the race goes that way. And if it does, then, you know, that's good for me. It's perfect for me because that's exactly what I do too. I finish races on the on the flat and the sprint. But, you know, there's always the option that maybe a break goes away and goes all the way to the finish line. And, um, you know, in that case, then Jack has to be very active. Jack has to be... A, aware of what's going on and hopefully put himself in the right position to follow that move all the way to the finish line. How are you feeling heading into the Olympics? Yeah, no, I'm motivated as, like I'm really motivated. I'm so excited for this race It's uh, because I know it's a parkour, it's a circuit that suits my attributes as a cyclist. There's not many times in a uh, in your lifetime actually when, where a world championships or Olympics suits your attributes as a bike rider, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. And quite confident as well? Oh, you've got to be confident in yourself. There's no use lining up, you know, not expecting the best out of yourself. So it's like every race I do. I'm prepared well. You know, I've just come off the Tour de France, the hardest race in the world, and um, there's no reason why I can't be up there with the best. And just the body, any sort of niggles or anything that you have to be concerned about? No, I'm, I'm just a wily old bugger, actually. <laughs> I, uh, I come out really good. I didn't, I didn't crash once in the whole three weeks and uh, I didn't have any knee pain or in- ankles or any- nothing. I had no pain at all, so touch wood right now. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm all fit and healthy, ready to, ready to rock. Olympic cyclist Greg Henderson speaking to Denise Garland. One of New Zealand's two women's boxers competing in London says it's very special to be in an event that is a first for the Olympics. But while women's boxing is a new event, Alexis Pritchard says she's able to look to New Zealand's first women's world champion boxer, Daniela Smith, for inspiration. Under her coach, Cameron Todd, Pritchard has had a rapid rise in the sport of boxing. She told our reporter Gail Woods that she's hoping to do well. It's really hard coming to a big event like this and not focusing on on the outcome. Um, I'm trying my very, very best to focus on the performance. And if I perform to my ability and the plan, then the chances obviously increase. So, yeah, I, I am looking for, you know, I have thought about medals and that kind of thing. And, yes, I do have a good chance of getting to the podium. Um, but over the next week, all I'll, be, all I'll really be focusing on is, is the performance and performing in the moment, which is obviously pivotal. And you've got that kind of added pressure, I suppose, of being like the first first time that women have been boxing in the Olympics. But New Zealand's got its own um, world champion, Daniela Smith. Do, do you know her? Do you? Yeah, um, Dandy um, was actually boxing out of Cam's gym as an amateur when I very when I first started. So. Um, I trained with her for many years and, um, you know, looked up to her when I first started boxing. And um, so, yeah, she's got a professional bout and I think... um, So, I am, you know, she's always someone to be looking up to, even now. Are you in touch with her at all? Um, Yes, we're on Facebook contact and email and she's been sending all her love and support over for the last few weeks and even months when the initial announcement was first made. Yeah. What, what got you into boxing? Um, for me, it was purely fitness. I just wanted to get fit. I was playing hockey. Um, I was really bad at that. I started I was the goalie for the last season before I stopped. Um, and I just wanted to try something else. And a friend of mine had mentioned something about boxing, and he was really enjoying it. And I went down and I just loved the training. I mean, it, it never started out as being, I'm going to be a boxer. 
dancer and I'm going to, you know. So it started out as fitness and then Cameron was the head coach and he had some other girls training then already and I was like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So we started doing some more technical work on on, on pad work and stuff and then I, he was like, well, why don't you just give sparring a go? Just, just give it a go. If you don't like it, that's fine. If you love it, well, awesome. I got into the ring on the first day, got hit on the nose, and you kind of get all teary-eyed just in this one certain spot. And he was like, after that round, he was like, stop crying. <laughs> get back in the ring or get out and don't come back. And so that, that choice was made. I was like, okay, fine, I'll stay. What made you, what made you do that? What was in well, I think the challenge was put out there and I'm quite a stubborn person and I wanted to rise to the challenge and I did. I loved the training and it wasn't that bad, you know, a little bit of a tear on, on the sensitive spot of the nose, but I think that happens to everyone. And you kind of have to step up to it. Um, I think I would have regretted it if I'd left. Yeah. Most people would think that to be a woman in boxing, you've got to be pretty tough. Oh, yes, you do. I mean, I think it's, it's a very mental sport. I think you, anyone can do the physical training. Anyone can do the physical training. It's the ability to get in the ring knowing that you're, you know, potentially going to get hit in the head. You know, you're going to get punched. It's, it's going to happen. Um, it takes a different kind of person to be able to cope with that. And I think, you know, all boxers, men and women, are very, very mentally strong. Alexis Pritchard. On to cricket now, and John Wright's replacement as the next New Zealand coach was finally announced last week, with the former Otago and Kenya coach Mike Hesson to take the reins through to the end of the 2015 One Day World Cup. Wright will step down once the team arrive home from the West Indies, and Hesson's first duties will be next month's Tour of India and September's 2020 World Cup. The outgoing Wright has been critical of New Zealand Director of Cricket John Buchanan's power over the day-to-day running of the Black Caps, and says a difference of philosophies with the Australian was the major factor behind his departure. However, Hesson told Joe Porter he's not anticipating any ego clashes with Buchanan, and the 37-year-old believes his first challenge will be building rapport and gaining the respect of the Black Caps players. That's always an ongoing thing. Um, but yeah, I've, I've worked with the majority of the players before and you know, have some you know, functional relationships there, but certainly need to, to keep building on those and, and obviously develop some really important ones. New Zealand cricket's been slipping down the rankings in all forms of the game for a little while. Some would say that you've stepped in at probably the toughest time possible for a coach. Howie, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I'm excited. You know, it's um, it's more what we can do from now. I, I haven't got, had any control over the last however long. Um, you know, some, some good things have happened in the last few years and, and I'm certainly looking to carry on that, that on. John Wright was quite vocal, I guess, in, in the differences that he had with John Buchanan and some of the difficulties he had in working in that environment. Obviously, you don't see that as being a problem? Oh, well, John's a, John Buchanan's obviously a hugely experienced coach and, um, you know, I, I think we're really looking forward to, you know, debating a few issues and we've obviously got the same goal, end goal in mind, so, you know, really looking forward to working with him. So no clash of egos anticipated? Uh, not at all. As I said, if we're all, we're all trying to get the same thing in the, in the end and, and hopefully both some pretty intelligent blokes that we can throw a few ideas around and hopefully come up with some solutions. Pressure cooker of international cricket, you've experienced it a little bit with Kenya. Do you think it's going to be an even bigger step up now with the Black Caps? Oh, I think there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Kenya are a, a top associate, but you know, there's pressures associated with any national side. Um, but Black Caps is, you know, New Zealand cricket fans are really passionate about their side and wouldn't want it any other way. So, um, you know, we've got to start to, to get that respect and 
uh, and obviously put some performances on the board. We even have press from overseas lamenting the decline of New Zealand cricket. How much does that pressure weigh on your shoulders? Uh, well, it, it doesn't. I mean, there's enough pressure that comes with the job anyway. So, um, as I said, I'm just looking forward to getting started and, and getting the side um, you know, functioning together and, and hopefully we can start to move up those rankings. 2015 World Cup, the end of that is your contract expires. I guess it must be nice to have a few years to work with the team and you've got a little bit of time to develop your own style and get these guys to where you want them to be. Yeah, well, I think with any side you, you do need time. Um, you need to build those relationships and, um, you know, I'm just... You know, really look. You know, really privileged that New Zealand cricket have, have shown faith in me, um, and now it's up to me to to show, you know, to show that or to, to return that faith. Do you have any new initiatives that you think personally you'll bring in to this squad and environment? Uh, I've got, I've got a number of ideas, but I think it's important that I you know start to to find out how the current environment works. There's obviously some things that are working really well and some things that possibly need tweaking, so I think it's a matter of consultation before I start throwing a lot of my ideas there. You had the ground running, India. Not an easy place to go for any touring team. Are you excited about that challenge and opportunity? Yeah, what a great place to start, really. I mean, cricket is, is a passion in India. Um, you know, so you immerse yourself in it straight away. And I think if I was to sit around and, and wait for a long period of time, you'd sort of get, um, you start to wear yourself out. So you're yeah, really looking forward to it. Is it going to be a results-based focus straight off the bat, or are you going to give yourself some time to develop the structures you need before you start looking at results as the be-all and end-all? Well, I don't think either of them are sort of mutually exclusive, really. I think um, hopefully you can start to put things in place and... Um, you know, the, there's enough talent within the group to, to get some results straight away and, and it's just a matter of making sure we get that consistency that we're after. From an outsider looking in, what do you think have been some of the major issues stopping the Black Caps from reaching those performance levels? I, as I, said, I just think consistency of performance and, and I think that's the challenge that every international side um, faces. And how do you develop consistency? Uh, as I said, you put some good some good plans in place, you, you, you treat each player as an individual and try and work out what you know what makes them tick and, and hopefully what helps bring that consistency but but the game itself is uh, there's always a level of inconsistency in the game of cricket so um, you know you're not going to win 100% of your games but we, if we can put in 100% you know really good performances then um, we'll be in with a chance. You're confident we have the personnel, the, the talented enough athletes to compete at the highest level? Yeah, without doubt. I mean, we've got to make sure we get, um, you know, the, the, the right ones on the park, and and that's, uh, you know, that's exciting in itself. And, and hopefully, we can create a lot of competition for spots, and, and therefore the, and also give the players confidence when we select them. So, yeah, a lot of things to do. And having been involved for such a long time, you're happy with the amount of grassroots talent that's coming up, and your guys, I guess, talent identification. Yeah, well, I haven't been here the last 12 months, but prior to that, obviously, seen a lot of first-class cricket, uh, seen a lot of you know talented youngsters come through, and. I guess it's you know it's whether they're able to make that step up and, and when's the right time to implement it. So uh, you know there are always decisions you've got to make. Mike Hesson speaking to Joe Porter, and you're listening to Extra Time. The good news is that there will be a New Zealand team in the Super Rugby final. The bad news is that it would have been better if there were two New Zealand sides in the final. The Chiefs will host the Crusaders in the first semi-final, while the Stormers will host the Sharks in the second. The match in Hamilton will also be a good trial for the All Black selectors, but more importantly, it will decide New Zealand rugby supremacy. This is the third time they've met this season with one win each, although the Crusaders did win in Hamilton just a couple of weeks ago. Our Christchurch reporter Sophia Hesselgrave spoke to Crusaders halfback Andy Ellis about the big clash. It's been a good good battles this year with them. Uh, I think you can't really take a lot into the, the you know the, the last game or the semi final third game. Uh, you know, both teams will come out firing, and um, it will come down probably to the attitude that the guys bring to the match. 
So would you agree that the Crusaders are sort of on a roll now? Well, yeah, we've had a um, couple of really good performances. You know, we talk, we talk about continually building and just doing our jobs really well. Every, all the individuals executing really well, and that's the key to, to getting that good team performance. So uh, we'll keep building and, and hopefully bring that, uh, bring that real edge this weekend again. So having been them last time, do you sort of think that's going to give you an edge over them for this weekend? Honestly, I don't really think so. You know, if anything, um, you know that they're going to come out really firing. You know, they, they know what happened last time and um, they'll, they'll, they'll bring a lot of pressure at the set piece, scrum and line out. And um, lucky we've done a lot of analysis and, uh, you know, we're really ready as well. So what's the halfback showdown like with Taura Kubala? Oh, it's great, yeah, there's been a bit of chat about it. It's, uh, it's good, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, you know, and I think it'll come down to the, the guy that gets their, their full pack in front of them humming the best, you know, if you can get good fast front football with good placement, um, if you can get good set-piece ball or line-out and scrum, then a half-back's job uh, can be a lot simpler to, uh, to clear out to his backs. And where do you think the winning of the game will be? Uh, I think it'll come down to just small moments, you know, uh, it often does in the big games and in, in real pressure situations, you know, um, just little mistakes here or there and under pressure could, could end up ultimately end up uh, determining who wins. So uh, yeah, we'll be looking to, to be uh, really clinical, um, try and execute all that stuff really well and, and not do anything silly or make any poor, poor decisions. And the Crusaders have a lot of playoff experience. Do you think that that helps? Yeah, I do, yeah. I think uh, we've, we've learnt from the past. You know, we... Uh, We've lost the last few sort of um, semi-finals or, or you know whatnot, and uh, it's our final last year, you know. And I think we can take learnings from that. You know, we can we can learn that um, you know perhaps we didn't make the best decisions in certain times in the game, and take that forward, you know, to to the next round. So um, yeah, so to answer your question, Alex. So. Um, what do you think it's it's like playing up there in the competition? It's great, great stadium up there. You know, the uh, the ground itself is in great nick. You know, the the, the field is uh, one of the best ones around. Um, the crowd love their rugby, you know, people people in Hamilton, so it's always a great place to go and play, even if uh, you are the opposition. Mm, yeah. So, um, I mean, some sections of the media have been getting stuck into the Crusaders about getting stuck into the rest during the game. What do you think about that? I can't believe it. No, um, <laughs> look, uh, I don't know, it's all part and parcel of the game, and I never even uh, sort of realised it. I think it was just one reporter, really, that wrote it, and, you know, I don't know, what it sounds like he's a bit of a turkey, but... I don't know. Um, just one of those things, I suppose. <laughs> Everyone's got their opinion, don't they? Sure. And um, do you think it's you know time for Todd Blackadder to win something? Absolutely, it is. Yeah, he's hanging out. All the boys are really excited. You know, we came so close last year against the Reds, um, but you know, we know it's it's one job at a time. It's one week at a time, and uh, we've got to get up for this one and uh, make sure we do the business. And the set piece key again? Absolutely. Yeah, I think a couple of areas will be uh, be the set piece where got to get our scrum going and line it and we've got to put pressure on theirs um, but also I think around the field as well you know that at ruck time we've got to make sure we clean out well get, get good quality ball for for me uh, and also put pressure on their ball so um, there's some big challenges there. So with Richie at number eight instead of Kieran is, how's that sort of worked at the back of the scrum? Yeah it's good you know Richie's got such a good rugby brain and he's got good skills so um, he's filled in there well you know he's uh, probably starting to carry the ball a little bit more and really strongly, you know, as he probably realises that um, you know, we're missing Kieran. So it's good, he's doing a great job there and uh, uh, it's not nice and easy, mate. He's, he's got a good rugby brain, so he slots in there well. And how's it been for you since missing out on the All Blacks? Are you hungrier for it? Oh yeah, I love that black jersey, I'm pretty hungry for it. But uh, you know, at the moment I'm just concentrating hard on this and uh, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you know, when, it, when it's semi-final rugby, uh, it's pretty exciting stuff, you know, do or die, I'll, I'll worry about the All Blacks stuff after. That's Andy Ellis. 
So if the Stormers beat the Sharks, they'll host the final. If the Sharks win, then the final will be played in New Zealand. The Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic have probably just wound up their celebrations following their win in the ANZ Netball Championship final. They trailed the favoured Melbourne Vixens for the majority of the match before coming through in the final quarter to win 41-38. The Magic started the season with four straight losses. After the match, Simon Mersep spoke with the former Silver Ferns coach, Dame Lois Muir. No, it's really exciting. I think the whole competition has been so close this year. Um, the New Zealand teams are gradually bridging the gap and we've got to take the cause now and grow more players to put into those top our top teams. Well, are there the players to put there? Oh, yes, they are. They're not that far away, but it's tough at the top. Magic won because they played as a team and they just keep plugging away at it. They've got some young ones in there as well as some experienced players. But you've got to really commend Nolene because she's managed very well. She's had, you know, lost top players, but she's always just managed, hasn't got a big, big bench, but brought on some younger ones. And they've got the feel now for what winning feels like. And it was close, and it was really in the last couple of minutes that they, they secured the win. How nervous were you watching the match? I always thought they could do it. I was a little bit worried in the beginning of the third, the last quarter, really. They just had little moments when the others, but we always looked as though we had that um, cohesion in the team, and both teams made a lot of errors to start with, which was the signs of a final. And uh, whoever stopped making those mistakes was going to do okay. Rather a, a remarkable season from this team to lose their first four games and then come back unbeaten after that. Yes, mind you, they hit top teams at the beginning. Um, people didn't look at who they were meeting and things, and they they did take a while to settle. But I think that is too that a lot of the franchises haven't got big money to do preliminary competition, and it's very hard to go in there running hot when others have. Do you see other New Zealand franchises being able to step up and also claim this title? Oh, certainly, certainly. There's two others there. We've got um, franchises here in New Zealand who have underperformed, really, and they're pulling top players into their sides. So, you know, you've just got to keep pushing your players. You can't just coach and let people do what they want out there. You've either got to have them performing or you've got to look for something younger coming along that you're going to give the opportunity. And uh, we're not far away. How much more netball do you think Irene Van Dyke has in her? Oh, tons. Look, she plays in a specialist position. And uh, <clears throat> tell me who's going to put her out of that position. No one should retire unless they really feel they want to because you can't come back again, you know. Well, some people do. But, um, no, she's very talented. And the most important thing about Irene is she's still growing. She's getting jumped on, maimed and pushed and shoved by everyone else. And she makes the opportunity for the other shooter if they take it. And uh, she has really done. And then she steps up when they go off her a bit. So, you know, the opportunities Irene has given that team are amazing. And 40's the new 30 anyway, isn't it? <laughs> no, she's a great athlete because she trains hard and... Um, she is always growing. She's always looking for new things, and this is an amazing thing about her. It's Dame Lois Muir.
And that's extra time for this week. I'm Barry Guy. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 